0: Welcome to Shining Bright, the Farmher radio show all about women doing great things. Women who are making the ordinary extraordinary. Women following their passion, taking action, and making a difference for themselves and others. Join me, Margie, as your host on Shining Bright by Farmher. Welcome to Shining Bright. Erin and I are right here in the studio this morning. So hello, uh, hello. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this episode is called A Rising Tide. And um, we are going to be talking to some women who are visible. And this, uh, the, the first part of the episode goes back to, uh, for anybody who doesn't know, this year is the uh, anniversary of women be in, being in FFA for 50 years. So, uh, 1969 was the first year that women were allowed in that organization. And, and if you're familiar at all with FFA, obviously they have taken that opportunity and run with it. Celebrate it this year. Um, Yeah. yeah, There, there's a lot of women. And I think in officer roles, Mm -hmm. there's like more women than there is young men at this point. Um, and so like they said, they've taken it and run with it, but the, the rising tide thing, you know, I think it. It goes back to, it is so important to have that visibility of a person in what they do. And, you know, no matter who you are, no matter where you are, no matter what you do, somebody's watching you, you know, and you are visible to somebody. And so your actions matter, your words matter, how you present yourself matters, what you share about yourself matters. And, but it's really important. I mean, that's the whole premise of Farm Her. If you can see it, you can can do do it. it. And so I know that many of us probably have people in our lives that we've looked at and said, like that person, you know? Yeah. And so that's my question for yeah. you, Erin. Um, somewhere in your life, did you have a woman that was uh, like that shining point for you that you, you could pattern yourself after or, you know, give you a goal to go after? I did.
1: And actually, it was in high school and it was my egg teacher. So okay. we had a pretty large program, mm-hmm. um, two teachers. Where One you from, male again? from Milton, Wisconsin. Milton, Wisconsin. Milton, Wisconsin. Okay. Yeah. And um Mrs. Rundy was my ag teacher and FFA advisor. And you know, she came in. It wasn't an easy gig for her.
0: There probably wasn't. I mean, mm. uh, we're about the same age. So yeah. let's reverse back like yeah. 20-ish years, yeah. right? And right. so there probably wasn't a whole lot of women in the FFA advisor role at that time. There point. wasn't. And I think that some of my classmates were, I mean,
1: it was just she came into a big program and she did amazing things. And um I she helped me with my SAE. Mm-hmm. She we we did all kinds of judging teams. She poured her heart and soul into that. She was having her children at that time. Um and she was tough mm-hmm. and she just she did great things. And that is when I decided I was going to be an egg teacher. Yeah. So I wanna say maybe she started my sophomore year of high school, somewhere around there, but she was there through the rest of my high school career. And um, that's when I decided in my junior year of high school, I'm like, I'm going to be an ag teacher. I'm going to be an FFA advisor. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Mm-hmm. I never looked back. And that's what I went to school for. And that's what I got my master's in. And then I did teach. And then my path got curvy. Yeah. Um, but it's still, I mean, that is that has left a mark, an impression in my career all the way through. And that was
0: her. Yeah. That was her all the way. Yeah. And yep. she, she may not know that she's had that right. impact, but that's what I mean. Like no matter yeah. who you are, yep. somebody's watching. Absolutely. And, and
1: taking that in. And I know, I mean, it was, it was not always easy. And I same, then I found myself as an egg teacher in yeah. high school went, uh, and the same place. Yeah. Right. So then I think I appreciated her even more. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> How many years down the road, that's how it works on teaching. I think so.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. But but it is important in having those people who are visible. Yeah. And so on this episode, we're going to be talking to two young women who are officers in the state of Iowa for FFA and about um, kind of celebrating that, that women being in FFA for 50 years, those women who've paved the way, yeah. literally, you know, someone always has to do it in the role that's not easy before it gets easier or somebody else. Yeah. yeah it's just the way it's that the way of the works. world. And so there were, we've, we talk, talked to Peg Armstrong Gustafson prior on this show. She's one of, I think the first woman the first. officer in the state of Iowa yeah. and one of the first national, um, mm-hmm. and, I'm pretty sure that she probably had plenty of challenges and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, things that came her way. But again, having that visibility or or being that first person is important. But but that visibility. And then we're gonna be talking to Rosalind Fox, who is, um, gosh, she holds many firsts, right? Yes. Uh, part of John Deere here mm-hmm. in Iowa, mm-hmm. and she is a woman. She is African American. She is an engineer. Like she is uh, operating in a space where. There's not many other like her. No, nope. And her visibility is really important. It is. It mm-hmm. is. So again, uh, I, I say this because I want you all to think about who might be watching you. Even if you don't really think like all of all of your actions pile up or all of your words pile up, be, be cautious of how you tell your story and what words you're putting out there and the types of things that you are sharing, because I promise that somebody is watching and uh, it matters. It paves the way. So. With that, stick with us here on Shining Bright. We're going to bring you an awesome show about a rising tide today. Hey, this is Melissa with TenRiff Market. Just want to share with you some of the products we make using goat's milk from our family farm. We make a variety of soaps and lotions using the goat's milk along with other natural ingredients, adding essential oils and fragrances to give them that amazing smell. Some of the scents to choose from are lavender oatmeal, double mint, eucalyptus spearmint, sweet orange, and many more. We also make a variety of lip balm, lip scrubs, and sugar scrubs. If you'd like to find out more, please check us out at www.tinroofmarket.com, like us on Facebook, or follow us on Instagram. Hey, everybody. This is Margie geiler Alanese from Shining Bright by FarmHer. I want to tell you about a friend, a community member, a business owner that we really believe in. Our house was kind of a shell when we bought it, and we've been working on updating and changing and adding things on. And we found a local contractor that we can trust, that we love the work that they do, and that is Remodel Works. Check them out at RemodelWorksDB.com. They're right here in Central Iowa. You'll love them. here we are in the studio and um, I've got an interesting situation this morning. So um, I was visited by two young women who are FFA officers here in the state of Iowa. Why don't you each introduce yourselves?
2: So yeah, my name is Grace
3: Long and this year I'm serving as the state FFA reporter. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm Natalie Jeffson, and I'm serving this year as the state secretary.
0: Awesome. Well, you ladies came to my house actually this morning to, uh, because that's what we all do, right? (laughs) Like just come to my house to record it. Um, But we record all things here. And you guys came here this morning because we're talking about 50 years of women in FFA, which matters. It it really, really matters. And um, so we did that and then I hijacked you to come in here and talk on the radio. (laughs) So thank you for that. Um, But I know that you both have um, probably plenty of story to talk about. So let's start with you, Grace. Why don't you tell us, um, you know, maybe what led you into
2: FFA? Are you from a farm background? Tell us a little bit about yourself. So, I'm actually not from a traditional production agriculture background. I grew up in the small town of Sheldahl, Iowa, which is about 20 minutes south of Ames, 45 minutes north of Des Moines. Uh, It's about 210 people, so very small. Um, But I do have a tradition of agriculture in my family. My great grandparents live on a farm. I love them to death, and I have so many great memories of working with them on the farm when I was younger. And so that was kind of my first interaction with agriculture. And then my dad, when he was a kid, was in 4-H. So when I turned 10, my parents uh, had me join the local 4-H club and I just fell in love with agriculture and got my own backyard chickens uh, in my small town. Mm-hmm. And then when I joined high or when I went into high school, I was really looking to further that. So I joined FFA mm-hmm. and that was the most meaningful thing I was involved in throughout all my high school career. So I love it. I love it. I mean, there, the
0: FFA is so diverse in what you can do. I mean, it, it isn't just for the farm kids, right? Like we've already talked about and everybody out there listening knows that I know, but um, okay. So ne- uh, Natalie, tell me about your maybe path into FFA and a little bit about yourself.
3: Yeah. So I grew up near Forest City, Iowa, which is um, about 40 minutes from the Minnesota border. I Lived outside of town, so we live on a small acreage. But I did not live on a farm. We had dogs, and we had a we have a pony. But that's about as close as we got to a farm. So um, similar to Grace, my great grandparents did have a farm, and my grandparents had a farm at one point. So I grew up around cows and things like that for a while. Um, I was in 4-H for a little bit, but I joined FFA in high school because my high school advisor would not stop pestering me in the hallway to finally get in that ag room. So Uh, He pestered me all throughout freshman year and for him. I know. (laughs) Finally, I decided, okay, I better get this guy off my back. I'll get in the ag room. And I did. And um, the first contest I did was conduct of meetings. So it was a team activity and I absolutely loved it. It was something so unique from everything else I was doing in high school. And I really found my confidence in there and I absolutely loved every minute I spent in that ag room.
0: I love that. We, we talk a lot about confidence and like how it's built, Mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes I'm I'm sure you didn't go join that class because you're like, this is going to build my confidence. But I think that's the key to FFA and in really so many organizations, right? That like it forces you into trying something different and then you, you figure it out and then you're like, Oh, I got this. Mm -hmm. And I'm guessing that that confidence built for both of you because you now are on the state officer team. Uh, Interestingly enough, we had um a woman on the show not too long ago, Peg Armstrong Gustafson, who was the first woman in Iowa to be a state officer. I know, I know. And um that was a while ago, right? But it it's paved the way and, and we talked a little bit about this. Um, you know, what role do you see each of you playing in helping that next generation, I mean, you're still young women, right? Like you're, you're out there doing this. You're both in college, right? Um, But like that, that next girl who needs a push into FFA, what role do you guys see you uh, each playing in helping them realize that that might be for them too?
2: So one thing that's become really apparent to me so far in our year of service is how we can connect with people from more non-traditional backgrounds. Because I think even today, a lot of uh, especially girls still hold this um, misconception in their mind that FFA is only for the farm boys and the people that have grown up in production agriculture. So showing them that there's such a diverse uh, array of different ways to be involved in agriculture and how FFA can help you pursue that and help you pursue leadership and confidence and all these different things that were not just cows, sows, and plows is <laughs> <laughs> um, something that has really struck me um, when I go strike up a conversation with someone about my bees or how I love public speaking in FFA. So yeah. I, I think that's super key.
0: And and I hear it all over the place, right? Like, well, I don't drive the combine. I don't drive the tractor. I'm not the farmer. I'm like, oh, 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 hold on. <laughs> you know, it, it takes all different types. It takes all different kinds. It takes everybody working in this industry to feed the rest of the world, right? Quite honestly, no matter what that role is, you, you got to find your place. And, um, you know, FFA has helped you do that. Do you have anything you want to add to that, Natalie?
3: Yeah, I think um, for me... When I think about my impact, I think back to my chapter. Um, We hadn't had a state officer in 30 years. So when I was elected, um, it was so important for me because I, I was showing myself that I could do it. But also I was showing the members who come after me, especially the girls, that you can do it. You can accomplish it because if I can do it, you can do it. So that was something that was incredibly important to me. Uh, So in that run for state officer, was there somebody
0: on the side again, you know, I I feel like many of us have this saying, you got this, you can do this because I don't know if, I mean, I I hate to tell you this, I'm 39 years old and, you know, I still have those days where I'm like, can Mm -hmm. I do this? Can I do this? You know, and so it's really important to have those Mm -hmm. people. Was there somebody who was kind of helping guide you or push you into that? um, You can, you can do this.
3: Yeah, so my advisor obviously was big in my decision to run, but then after that, um, I actually worked with a former state officer. His name is Josh Earl, and he lives in my town, so we would meet once in a while, and he would just talk with me about my reasons for running, and he would say, you can do this. You, You absolutely can. So that was super beneficial because it gave me the confidence that I couldn't give myself, so... Right.
0: I think hearing someone else say you can do it, Mm -hmm. it goes a long way, or at least it helps get you over that hump of like, well, I'll give it a try. Right. Because we never know if we don't try. So if you have one bit of advice for those that like next generation right behind you guys, who is is saying, do I have this? Um, You know, can I do this? What would that be?
2: Oh, that's a good question. I would say the first thing that pops into my mind is To not let fear stop you from pursuing uh, things you want or things you might think you don't want, but um, are a good thing to push you out of your comfort zone. I can remember when I was younger, just being so afraid to try new things and to go out of my comfort zone. And looking back, I realized that that was unnecessary and it kind of prevented me from doing important things. So I I would say just don't be afraid to push yourself. I love it. What about you, Natalie?
3: I would say that... My advice would be to never forget your worth. I think um, for high schoolers and young people, especially women in high school or young women, um, it's hard sometimes to remember your value and your worth. And sometimes you kind of lose sight of that. So I think that my advice would be to never forget that you are valuable and you are worthy of the things that you're chasing.
0: I love that. We all have something that we bring to the table. Mm -hmm. Like every single one of us, even if you aren't sure what it is, uh, maybe go ask somebody else what they think, because sometimes our views of ourselves are a little different. So I am trying to convince these women that they need to come to our uh, 20th and final grow event, which is taking place on November 15th at the FFA center in Ankeny, Iowa, head over to farmher.com to get your tickets today. We would love to see you there. We'll be right back on shining bright.
3: this is Katie Crowe, owner of Uplift Fitness Studio. Uplift Fitness Studio is a boutique
0: fitness studio located right in the heart of Grimes, Iowa in the Governor's District. Uplift
4: offers a variety of group fitness classes such as yoga, cardio, Zumba,
0: bar, and strength classes. All new students can get their first week free with no obligation. At Uplift Fitness, we are passionate about uplifting women in our community to be strong, healthy, and happy. We strive to make a difference in their lives by creating an environment that allows our members to obtain their fitness goals and enjoy their experience in comfort and safety. Visit our website, today at www.upliftfitnessstudio.com. Well, we got our dancing out of the way and we're back here on Shining Bright with that like boppy little tune there that brings us in. So welcome back. We are in the studio again and Erin is here this morning. Good morning. And we've got a new guest in the studio, Roz. Rosalind, Roz Fox. Yes. Hi. How are you? Hi. Welcome. Yeah, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. <laughs> Looking forward to our conversation
4: today and being on my first podcast. Yeah. Well, Aww.
0: welcome. I'm glad. I mean, we're probably going to set the bar really low for you. <laughs> <laughs> good. <laughs> Next time, be a piece of cake. Yeah. I guess. Yeah. We we keep it keep it uh, calm and comfortable here. Uh, that's our goal, anyway. So, uh, we're we're so glad to have you. So, um, I was first introduced to you by um, our most recent I Am Farm Her Conference, you were a keynote speaker there for us. And unfortunately, I wasn't there to hear it that day. It was like one of the biggest bummers of of that whole event for me. I was like, what? I, I have to be gone. But I went through this class at Goldman Sachs. And in order to um, get into the class, you had to like, say, yes, I will be there for every single in-person day. And that was the very last week of the class. And so I was like, I guess I have to leave our national event and I can't be there, but it's okay. Cause that's what teamwork is, right? So everyone pulled Absolutely. it off. But- So thank you for being there. So uh, this is my uh, first time getting to hear it from you. So let's start um, a little bit of your background. Mm -hmm. You are an engineer by trade, right? I am, yes. Uh, Attended the University of Missouri Columbia for my
4: undergrad in electrical engineering and for my master's in industrial engineering. And later, once I started working full time, I went to Northwestern University's Kellogg School of Management for my MBA. Mm -hmm. And, after undergrad, I started working for a 3M Company and did that for several years, then left 3M and went to Fort Mortar Company, worked there for about six years, and then came to John Deere, which is where I work currently.
0: Wow. Yeah. So um, do you have any agriculture in your background? Like what, what led you into engineering?
4: Yeah. So no agriculture whatsoever. I call myself a city girl. So learning everything that I had to, to work in the ag business has been fun. But really, what led me to engineering, I would say, literally, is my father. So I actually wanted to be a nurse growing up. And he was simply like, I'm not paying for you to be a nurse. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to pay you be an engineer. And so he wasn't an engineer either. But he worked um, in production at Boeing Company. And he worked with engineers there. And he, I guess, understood what they did and wanted that for me. And so I was like, well, if that's what's going to get me to college, I'll do it. I'll do it. I remember
1: this story. Yeah, this is like a good story. <laughs> you know, because
0: yeah. uh, you know, at that age, when you were probably what seventeen or eighteen, like having someone say this is what you're going to do probably feels a little like um, maybe tough to swallow. But like, what okay. a what a cool thing to have someone mm-hmm. push you into something, right?
4: Yeah, I mean.
0: Literally didn't know
4: what an engineer did. I had to look it up. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, I'm really glad that he did push me in this way because it's just really afforded me so many opportunities that um, are have been beyond my wildest imagination. So it's really a good career to go into.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So you've had, you've had a journey to, to get to the, the point you're at today, um, you know, from education through a couple of different companies. And, and we talk about this a lot. I just had this conversation with someone yesterday. Um, you know, young people m- so many times will say like, how do I make this decision? Like, this feels like this is like a life-changing decision. And what if it's the wrong one? I'm pretty sure that you've probably been up against those decisions many times. Um, you know, how do you, how have you made some of those decisions? Like what, what's been your kind of guidepost? Um, Yeah. So
4: I would tell you, I think um, early on while I was in college, I worked part-time at 3M while finishing my undergrad degree. And it was during that experience um, I worked at a, a manufacturing Um, facility for 3M. And the factory manager, I was just so like impressed with this guy. And he just had it all together, you know, very nice, uh, strong business acumen and just really cared about the people. And I just thought, oh my God, I would love to be a factory manager someday. And so didn't know how I would get there or what I would need to do to get there, but that was my beacon. So anytime that I had to make a decision about coursework or what job should I take here or there it was always uh centered around does this help prepare me for that this role this role Mm -hmm. so it was sort of my beacon yeah um so and so In terms of my career that's how i made decisions around what i would do from day to day or job to job Mm -hmm. um but you know when it comes to work decisions it's really about trying to be as data driven as possible yeah right you really want to make informed decisions based upon the data and not on emotion although sometimes that's a conversation that you need to have as well in terms of taking care of your people and nurturing an inclusive environment but when it comes to making decisions at work as much as I can, I try to
0: do it based upon data. Data, Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, that's a pretty great way to make a decision. I got to say, because that emotion does creep in there, right? Like no matter what the decision, Mm -hmm. you you got this, like, Oh, I really want to do this. Mm -hmm. But you know, I mean, I I ran up against that all the time (laughs) in farm her of, this is something I I emotionally want to run after, but can I make it work from a business angle from, from the number sense? Yeah. Yeah, Right. So I love that. um, You know, like have a little bit of emotion, but make sure you're looking at the data too. And
1: so cool that you had that part-time experience Mm -hmm. while you're going to school and were able to kind of pick up on that role Mm -hmm. that, that struck you too.
4: Yeah. Yeah. It was just, like I said, you know, I was just like, you know, it was a big job yeah. seeing him do it, but yeah. I just, for something, it just, just, it's struck, just struck a chord with mm-hmm. me. And I just felt like I could do it someday. Again, didn't know how I would get there, but that, it yeah. was literally my beacon for every yeah. job that I had at, F
1: at that point and beyond. now here you are and yeah. here I am
4: getting to run not a straight line nope. that's for sure <laughs> getting here but um, you know the yeah. fact that I get to run um, one of our largest John Deere facilities now as a factory manager and actually the first female factory manager at Yay. this facility yeah and the first black female um factory manager in the company it's it's quite amazing. an amazing yeah yeah you got a
0: lot Way of to go. you got a lot of things going on Where there to and go. Awesome. So I I guarantee that you are the beacon for somebody else now. And I know we're going to get into talking about some of the ways that uh, you put yourself out there and your career out there. But, um, you know, this, I I always think it's interesting in uh, the the radio or the podcast sense, because we take like a whole lifetime of decisions and navigation and a journey and boil that down into give us like your two minutes, you know, what, what you do. And so if you could Tell us one challenge maybe that you've come up against as as you've gone through this, because no journey is without challenges, right?
4: <laughs> Absolutely. Literally getting to college was the first challenge. Mm-hmm. So just a little bit about my background. I didn't go to college immediately after high school. I literally worked part-time at a department store stocking shelves every day. And, uh, you know, and I just thank God because I just always say it was divine intervention, I woke up one morning and decided that that wasn't the life I wanted for myself and literally asked my dad, he he worked their shift at the time. So I woke him up and said, dad, can you give me a check to enroll in the local community college? And uh, he says, well, call up there to Mizzou to see if you could still go, still right? Go. I had applied and got accepted the year yeah. before, but didn't go. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I just thought, well, this sounds crazy, but I'm, I'm gonna give it a go. Oh, okay, okay, I'm gonna give it a <laughs> Again, go. nothing to lose. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, literally, pulled out the yellow pages, which nowadays people just probably will Google it. But I pulled out the yellow pages and looked at University of Missouri and uh, looked up the admissions office and got the number for that and called them and said, um, told them who I was and that I had applied the year before can I still go, come a year later? And they said, yes. So that was literally oh, the first challenge. The first
0: one. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure of many, but um, no, ch- like a challenge is just that, like it's, it's not something that's going to stop you. Right? It's, right. it's just like, you got to figure out like how you yourself or, or maybe your path is going to work around that challenge. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. So good. Well, I'm glad that that first challenge got overcome and uh, stick with us. We're going to be back here talking to Roz about her journey here in just a few minutes. this is Margie. Join the journey by calling in and leaving a message with your questions or comments. Anything you want to share goes at 855-776-6147 or record it on your phone and email it to us at info at farmher.com. We look forward to hearing from you. We are back here in the studio. Erin and I are with Roz. And uh, something that I, I know you all hear us talk about a lot, but I think it's one of those things that needs to be brought up a lot. And especially, like, I am 39 years old, and I still need a reminder about about confidence from time to time. Because I have my moments, I have my days, sometimes weeks, right? Where maybe it dips a little low. And it it's just like journey in life, you know? And so I love to ask people about their confidence journey and, and maybe where some of those points are, where where you found yourself gaining the confidence to go do the next thing. So I'd love to hear that from you.
4: Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, so I think my confidence probably... Um, fully shined once I was in my late 30s, early 40s. And this is true, you know, as you get older, you know, you do build that confidence. I think, you know, as women, you know, uh, we have so many things coming at us where, you know, uh, we aren't as high on ourselves, because we don't look this way, or we don't talk this way, or, you know, we don't um, look like this or that. And so, you know, once you get so your late thirties, early forties, you're just like whatever, it's, right? Yeah, right. cares,
0: right? <laughs> a little different focus. I care. I'm uh-huh. like, I'm the only one that I need to care about, right? Yeah,
4: absolutely. And I think, I think, um, when I once I really uh, stepped into my true self is when I gained my confidence. And one the ways I did that was literally, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but as a black woman, I'm wearing my hair natural. Yeah, I love it your hair. See? It was so liberating for yes. me. And that just really enabled me to shine and be who my who yeah. I am. Yeah,
1: just let it, at the let core. it be. That's yeah. great. And,
4: and so that was the first thing. And I think the other things that yeah. um, contributes to my confidence is the fact that I'm unafraid now. Like, I've had a lot of challenges. And, you know, when people ask me about what am I proud of, uh, you know, my best accomplishment or my, my biggest accomplishment, it's mm-hmm. really about overcoming the challenges, Yeah. Mm-hmm. right? And because when you do that, you just think, Girl, you better go. <laughs> you got you this. You did that. You yeah. know, yeah, you yep. got this. And so, um, those t- having those challenges, while it doesn't feel good in the moment, when you get on the other
1: side, you're just like, and that's when you're yeah. like, yeah. that's the I'm confidence. A total, piece. I'm a total baddie. Yes. <laughs> yes.
4: <laughs> and so, yeah. and those things, you know, overcoming challenges really mm-hmm. builds your confidence, and then you become fearless, and and uh, you know, just think, have the attitude to bring it on, because. Mm-hmm. I can do it. I can
1: do it. And that, and that's it. Like that's kind of such a great theme. I'd love to hear it because it, it makes true. me feel better too, personally. Like, yes, just go and do it. Yeah. And how you feel on the other side and yeah, it's worth every every challenge you take. Yeah. It really is. Like
4: I said, you may not feel good while you're in it, nope. but Mm-mm. but you know, the easiest thing to do is to quit. Yep. And when you don't and get on to the other side, you're just like, Yeah.
1: And when you sit no those struggle times, that's when the growth happens.
4: That's absolutely when the confidence comes, yep.
1: right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And quitting um, doesn't like that's kind of a lost opportunity. And I I, like a challenge never feels like a great opportunity. Like you said, when you're in it, you're like, oh, my gosh, like, Mm -hmm. this is horrible. What do I do? I can think of so many times where, where I've been in those situations but you just get through it, yeah. you know, like you, you've got a circle of people. I bet you've got some people around you that maybe you can bounce those things off of, whether it's at work or outside of work or maybe all of the above. We all mm-hmm. do. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and those people sometimes like are a really important piece of like, Super oh, important. yeah, they, they told me I got this. So I got this. <laughs> right, make <laughs> so yeah. it till yeah. you make it. It'll yeah. be fine. Yeah. I, have a, I have a great squad
4: and a great circle of fam- family and friends, mm-hmm. prayer warriors, right. you know, that just really just have my back. So I'm grateful. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so yeah. on that note, networks, you know, I, I, I hate the word networking. It, it does feel kind of like an icky word sometimes. Like if I go to an event that's called a networking event, I'm like, oh my gosh, I don't I don't want to <laughs> walk in the room. I don't know who I'm going to talk to or what I'm going to talk to them about. But uh, professionally, you know, have you worked hard to build your networks? Has that been a key to you advancing through your career? Yeah, you have to. And You know,
4: I, for me, it's important to do it organically. I don't like to do it in a slimy way. Right. Yeah. And so slimy networking. (laughs) That's the difference. (laughs) That is is a no, no. Right. And, uh, never feels good. You know, my network consists of people who I truly admire Mm -hmm. and that's how I approached them, you know, about, Developing a relationship with them, you know, hey, I seen you presented this meeting or you talked about this and it really resonated with me. And I just want to explore that conversation a little bit further with you. And that's and that, you know, makes them feel good that you are in tune with whatever message they were giving that day. But you value something that you saw in them. And Mm -hmm. if you can establish your network and relationships that way, I think that's it's just more organic. It's more natural. And people are more willing to spend that time with you. And uh, help you expand your network.
0: Yeah, I I think lately I've I've been kind of outside my comfort zone in reaching out to people to talk to about something that is outside of my comfort zone with like this new uh, project that I've got going on, and I I find myself like still worried like are they going to say no like I don't have the time to talk to you about that and I think the interesting part. Especially in women, because I tend to talk to more women just based on what I do. Like I'm surrounded by men, like run the other way when they hear that. It's not farm him, it's farm her. (laughs) Yeah. And so uh, a lot of women, but I I find strength in that because if they've done something Mm -hmm. that, um, that like I am intrigued by. I I want to know how they did it. And yeah. I gain confidence Preparing by the their back. stories and yeah. their experiences. Yeah. And the interesting thing, like not one person has said, no, I don't have time for you. No. I find that so exactly encouraging. Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's
4: exactly how it happens. And I just think that's important. You know, in my career, um, that's how I like to establish my relationships. But, you know, networking is important because you want to make sure that you know, the more people that you have that are connected to you and know you, you know, when you're not in the room, you want them to be talking about you in a good yeah, way. Right. I
1: love that. No, that's a really good when point. When you're too. not in yeah. the room. And yeah. so
4: when you have a network that's wide and it's strong, people mm-hmm. will talk about you and advocate on your behalf when you're not even there. When you're not yeah. And so present. and that's the power of, of networking in, in corporate America. But just even in general, you mm-hmm. know, you want to have uh, people know you by Uh, your interaction with them and recommend them to um, recommend you for opportunities like what I'm doing today. Right. Yeah. So uh, networking is very important.
0: Yeah. And I think in that note, the interesting, you know, you spoke at our I am Farm her event and and some of our team reached out to you about that. Uh, But then like this other person in a whole different part of my world, like circled around and was like, you got to meet this person, Rosalind Fox. She's amazing. And I was like, You're right. I do need to talk to her again. You know, like I need to, to like crash our worlds together a little bit more, but, um, that's the power, right. And and it's there. And I think women uh, have a unique ability to like, we, we want, I want to see like more people know about you, you know, I want, I want to put you up on this pedestal and see you shine. And I think that that's just such a cool thing that happens. The more women I talk to in the broader networks, it's, it's just cool. Yeah. so yeah I think connecting is a better word for it than networking I like that let's change let's call that. it connecting yeah
4: mm-hmm. I think the networking is the
1: corporate jargon yeah right? but it is but all it's all like a connection connecting. and then yeah you like you said you kind of align with somebody else and you're like hey wait you gotta you gotta meet this person or it's connecting
0: it's connecting. sounds right yep yep in in many ways so connecting yeah. connecting challenges mm-hmm. confidence mm-hmm. they're all three related three. yep yeah yeah they're, they're all definitely related so um I we're getting close to break here, and I want to remind all of you about uh, kind of a big event that we've got coming up, November 15th in Ankeny, Iowa. We are going to be at the FFA uh Enrichment, Enrichment Center. Center, and we are going to be hosting our twentieth and our final Grow event. We've been running after these events all over the country for five years, and we're going out with a bang. And we're going to be filming a TV show there, and we have a panel all about confidence. You know, yep. it's, it's kind of like an extension of this discussion. We've got uh, three women coming in from around the country, and they're going to share their stories, and and they're all so different. And I think that there's power in that. Uh, so. If you are like, I have to go to this event now that you're telling me about it, head over to our website, farmher.com, click on the events tab and you can get the tickets right there. Again, it is Grow by Farm Her for women in agriculture focused at young women on November 15th of this year. And we would love, love, love to see you there. So check it out. We'll be right back on Shining Bright. Shining Bright. Hey guys, this is Margie from FarmHer. I want to remind you all that we have some really fun, functional, cute merchandise out on our store at farmher.com and fall has arrived in the FarmHer market. We've got some new sweatshirts, hoodies, one of my favorite windbreakers out there. So check it out at farmher.com. And while you're there, be sure to use the code SHININGBRIGHT and save 10% just for our listeners.
1: Welcome back to Shining Bright. This is Erin, and I'm excited to ask this next question. It's something I think about a lot right now as I'm raising my children, I think. <laughs> and yeah. so I'm like, wow, what what could I be teaching them now that I, maybe I wish I would have known? So what would you have told yourself um 10 years ago that you wish you that you know now that you wish you knew then?
4: Yeah. So I think if I could tell my something 10 years ago, um that I would do differently. It would definitely be around having that confidence and being my true self. And so this is this is the crazy thing, right? So you you, you work hard all your life to get into corporate America, and then corporate America is not not at all how you grew up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So so you get in, and you're like in this culture where you're unfamiliar with, yeah. and so you. You are uncomfortable. You don't have the confidence because Mm -hmm. you're having to learn a lot. It's all new. You feel like you don't know anything. Mm -hmm. And so I I think there was a lot of times when I struggled with um, having confidence when I first came to Deer because it was a new culture for me. And um, I worked with mostly men who I would say weren't necessarily all that supportive right yeah and and so you know I but I knew I had to get over that fear pretty quickly because it was the way yeah that was the way and performance speaks over everything and once you can deliver and they see that you've got the the grit yep and the can-do attitude they're more likely to want to come and support you or to you know that's great advice too it's it's your
1: actions yeah Mm -hmm. and
4: so I just think if I if I could just if I has stepped into being my, who I truly was at that time and comfortable with who I was at that time, showing a little bit of vulnerability and asking questions and saying, Hey, can I have your help mm-hmm. versus just trying to figure it out on my own? Um, that would have helped me 10 years ago. And so now I don't have an issue with asking questions yeah. right, and saying that, Hey, I don't know anything about this. Can you help me with it? And I think that helps other people see me as a, human. Yeah, right. Right. Even though I have this big title or whatever, I'm still human. There's still things that I don't know. Yes. And sometimes I'm going to need help. And I think showing that vulnerab- vulnerab- vulnerability shows confidence as well. Right. Yep.
1: And I think it's such a great way to lead too, because mm-hmm. then other people are like, okay, well, I don't have to pretend that I got it all, right? because this is normal and I can ask questions mm-hmm. and it changes the whole scope sometimes situation that's great that's good good advice I would
4: be
0: myself more 10 years ago yeah Yeah. I but I think that that's a real common thing because I have the same situation I, I walked into corporate America in agriculture and um in found myself very quickly in uh rising up in the organization and in rooms full of mostly men who were like older than me and I I didn't really know how to um like put myself out there. And I don't don't even want to say assert myself, but it was always like, I always say that was corporate Margie because I felt like I wasn't being myself. I had this like, I have to be kind of like a robot and assimilate, figure it all out and Mm -hmm. assimilate. And Mm -hmm. that's not... That's not going to win the game it's for you. It's not going to win the game at and, all. And it's going to like kind of break you down mm-hmm. to the point where you're not going to want to be there anymore like I'm not. Right. <laughs> right? Because
4: you ex, you exert and expend energy yeah. being somebody who you aren't naturally, right? Yeah, it's and okay. imagine, right? Yeah. <laughs> you go home worn out. <laughs> yeah. because Exhausted. Exhausted mm-hmm. because you're trying to be something that you're not. So yeah. just do your, be yourself and be you. and
0: What's the worst that's going to happen? Your best. Exactly. If, if you can't be you, then you're not at the right place. That's right. Right. That's so right. I love this. Okay. Yeah, That's good. I Thanks. wish you would have told me that 10 years ago. I know, too. Same, <laughs> same. <laughs> but I'm glad that I'm sitting right here getting to talk mm-hmm. to you too. That probably wouldn't have happened otherwise. So, um, so, um, you know, talking about yourself 10 years ago, you know, we are in industries, whether it's agriculture, or engineering, where there are not loads of women that are visible, right? And so do you feel that we do need more women what, in that they would benefit these industries. And if so, what are some of the ways that you might engage young women to help introduce them to like, this isn't a scary world. You, you can do this too. Absolutely.
4: So of course we need more women in our industry, <laughs> whether it's ag, whether it's manufacturing or what have you, you know, women just brings a different perspective and, you know, not only are we smart in terms of the technical side of the business and very capable in that aspect. But we also bring the softer side and the softer skills that sometimes our counterparts don't necessarily have. I mean, just by nature, we're nurturers, right? Right. And so, you know, we tend to make decisions not only based upon the data or the technical side and having that acumen, but also based upon, okay, how is this going to feel to my team, you know, or or how will this impact my people? And so I think because of that, um, it's always great to have women in, in our industry to drive those conversations and bring that different perspective, right? Um. Absolutely. I I think, uh, you know, we can bring help bring the innovation. And the other thing I think is interesting, too, even from an ag perspective. I work in manufacturing. Mm -hmm. Women are a large decision maker when it comes to buying equipment. Oh,
0: yeah. You know,
4: even though the men may be driving the machine and harvesting, harvesting the crops, women are making those financial financial decisions. decisions. So why shouldn't we be in the business world? Mm Uh, driving the changes that we need to see to support the industry, right? So we're we're super important. We are super (laughs) important. important. And so to get there, I think, you know, so certainly working in ag, being a city girl, I was born and raised in St. Louis, You know, working in the ag industry wasn't certainly on my radar, but I think in terms of getting more women interested in ag and interested in manufacturing and interested in STEM careers, we have to expose them earlier, right? So, you know, some of the things that I'm working on now is uh, working with um, a local organization that I'm a member of. We're doing weekend STEM activities uh, for young girls and young boys to get them interested in science, engineering, and, and technology and those types of careers, um, and, you know, I just wish I had that the benefit of those types of programs
1: when you were younger, when I was yeah. younger.
4: Right. Because mm-hmm. I would tell you going into engineering and not have, taking preparatory math classes. OK. Tough. Oh, my gosh. Struggle, well, struggle I, bus. I, I was been on the trouble. struggle bus I for, cry sure. for you right, now, <laughs> just thinking <about> it. <laughs> right, right. And so I just think if I had the opportunity to have some hands on uh, experiences and learning how to uh you know, build a circuit board or learning how to uh, what's important about growing plant and how the bee population is important for the overall environment and uh, things like that. I would be so much further along had I had those experiences when I was younger. So Mm -hmm. we really have to focus on providing programming to young girls Mm -hmm. who may be interested in agribusiness or science and helping steer them into the-
1: Ignite their interests early.
4: Absolutely. To
1: something applicable that they can see, like, oh, hey. Yeah, yeah.
4: and Mm -hmm. so, you know, the 4-Hs and the FFAs and those types of organizations, you know, we really need to throw our resources into that and do even more to get them even younger because, you know, you could be talking to your kids now, Mm -hmm, you know, when it comes to- Food science mm-hmm. and and there's just so much opportunity that we can do yeah. even earlier in
0: in a kids' learning development. Yeah, for That's sure. It. I mean, I, early intervention is intervention's not the right word. <laughs> early early <laughs> maybe like, <it> introduction <laughs> to it. I, yeah. I do think makes everything less scary. And I mm-hmm. think it all boils down to you as a person. If if they see that you've done this, seeing it is believing. You know, yeah. and if it's you can just, see it the the very real truth about you know, like she's got this. I could do that, too, Mm -hmm. if that's what I want to do. A lot of power there.
4: I heard heard a, a speaker talk about STEM careers and how she said you can't, be it if you don't see it Mm -hmm. that's Mm -hmm. very true you can't you know if you have no exposure to it you would never go into that type of career so you have to see women in this area you have to to garner interest uh for young kids to go into this area no
0: pressure to keep doing yourself to everybody right yeah 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 (laughs) well we will be right back here wrapping it up on shining bright thanks for listening in and we're so glad you're here so stick with us week on Shining Bright, we're continuing the discussion with entrepreneuring women. We'll kick it off out West with Jatana and Natalie of the Ranchwives Beef Company to talk about building their brand. And then we're going to dig into the story of Tara Dudley, who has spent years building a solid business in plants on Shining Bright by Farmer. wrapping it up here on Shining Bright and uh, Roz is sticking around for a little bit more because this is a a fun conversation and um, you know your path unlike Um, many other women out there is windy and it's, it's been a journey, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like a beeline towards one thing, right? Hey, everybody listen to that. You you know, the decisions you make don't have to be the decisions forever, right? Right. Like there is this windy path that can happen. And I'm glad that yours has landed you right here Mm -hmm. uh, close to home for us. But what defines success for you? um, Whether it's in your job or in your life or, um, you know, as, as a person, when do you go, you know, like, this is, this is me like getting to where I wanted to be?
4: Yeah. So it's not a position or a level, you know, I really feel like every accomplishment is a success Mm -hmm. and that may sound cliche or corny, but, you know, given my background you know, I grew up, um, very humble beginnings, you know, uh, my parents, we had, a. That's a government-supported home. Um, And my father was laid off from time to time. And and sometimes we simply didn't know where our next meal was coming from. And so the fact that I think about that's where I came from to the fact that I get to run one of our largest factories in John Deere, that's an accomplishment. You Mm -hmm. know, if I die tomorrow, I feel like my life is a success. Um, I'm an outlier, you know, in terms of the the statistics right yeah. mm-hmm. um and so but really success to me is just um taking on each ch- challenge and overcoming it and so it, again it, for me it's not about a level in the organization it's not about how much money i make but to really um demonstrate how if you put your mind to it and you are persistent the power in that is so fulfilling and and I just hope that I can serve as an example to other young girls um, that you can do anything that you want. I would have
0: never imagined that I'd be here today, but it's, it's true. That's where I'm at. Yeah, I love it. You can do anything that you want. listen to that. Don't forget it everybody. Uh, so in moments of self-doubt because we all have these, I, this kind of goes back to that confidence thing. what is one thing that you do to build yourself back up? Like I like chocolate, <laughs> you know. <laughs> I, I think we all do. So, yeah. Yes.
4: Um, one thing I do to build myself back up. Um, gosh, lots. I pray a lot. Yeah, good. Uh, you know, uh, I have a strong family network. When I'm when I'm when I need their prayers, they they, they rally. They mm-hmm. rally around me as well, um, and. You know, I think I, I, I just don't quit, you know, and Mm -hmm. I think my father, yeah, my mother and father were just great examples of never giving up and pushing through the difficult times. And I don't know how else to be other than just to push through it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, that's a pretty Mm -hmm. great way to be. I mean, I, I feel like that, that is one of the most satisfying probably places to be in life, right? Where you can push through whatever, whatever comes your way. Cause big, big, little work, non-work, whatever. Like we all have those every day, you know? So I love that. Um, what does the world need more of? Ah, good question. Yeah. Uh, more kindness and more grace
4: extended to one another.
0: Mm. You know, we just need to go back to being humans. Yeah, <laughs> it's tough. It, it, like it's I feel tough. like we're in a point right now. It's 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 tough to it, like remember that. Yeah, it's just
4: just be kind and extend mm. give grace, a little grace.
0: Give a little grace.
4: I mean, imagine how much better we'd be if we just
0: thought it about just that feels for a moment. Too yes. right. Yes. It's a full
1: circle. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah, it does feel better. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, what does this world need less of? Uh, less discrimination, whether it's mm-hmm.
4: gender, ethnicity, race, mm-hmm. political affiliation, religion. Oh, yes. You know, less discrimination. I think people put too much um, weight into. Um, Holding something against someone because of their beliefs or the way they look or their thoughts. And Mm -hmm. again, if you extend a little bit of kindness and grace. Yeah. You know, we wouldn't have so much division that we see around us nowadays.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that is it's a thing and it's everywhere. So thank you for this. I know I threw a few things there at the end. That's great. Um, So. If anyone wants to connect with Roz, her name is Rosalind Fox. She's on LinkedIn. You can go look her up there. And... Um Thank you for Thank being you. here yes. on Shining Bright. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Of course. Just a reminder, everybody, Farm Her the TV show airs every Friday and Sunday at 9.30 p.m. Eastern on RFD TV. You can head over to our website, farmherd.com to find out all the details, where you can watch it, where you can stream it, all those things, and read the blogs, see the pictures, and meet these women a little more in depth. Thanks for joining us on Shining Bright. You've been listening to Shining Bright by Farm Her. Be sure to listen Saturdays at noon and Sundays at 1 p.m. Eastern on Sirius XM's Rural Radio 147 and the Sirius XM app. And now, go shine bright.